You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. It's November, and that means a wide range of University of North Dakota athletics are in full swing here on the network. Don't miss our live coverage of 13 different UND events this month alone, including hockey, football, volleyball, and basketball. Plus, stay up to date with your favorite teams on weekly shows like Day by Day and North Dakota Hockey Central. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast. We're taping this on a Tuesday mid-morning, November the 2nd. Alex Heinert, Build Shaves, a new month. Bill, episode 99, Bill, of this podcast's run. The last one in double digits before we turn over to the century mark. How's your Tuesday going so far? Doing great, Alex. Yeah, uh, the calendar has turned to November. Woo, uh, crazy. Yeah, you think of 99, how do you not think of Wayne Gretzky, right? So... This is our Gretzky podcast. Oh boy, we're going to try and live up to those expectations of the the great one. Will this be a great podcast? We have we have some great things to talk about. We have some things that that were not great, unfortunately. Um and some of those things will come in on the B side, but uh some on the A side as well. So kind of a this is a pod that greets us on a Tuesday after a really busy weekend around UND athletics, both at home and abroad. A ton of stuff going on. Championship season for a lot of the fall sports. Hockey, obviously, the big crossover sport, playing perhaps their biggest regular season game. Not perhaps. I mean, really, their biggest regular season game, obviously, in Nashville. It, there's just so much happening right now. And unfortunately, from a UND perspective, it was a lot of defeats this past weekend. And it, it's just how it goes sometimes in sport. Both teams want to win. Sometimes you're not on the winning edge. When things like this happen, Bill, as an athletics director, how do you kind of turn the page and, and approach kind of what was a difficult weekend for UND? Yeah, you know, for sure, Alex. That's a good question. It, it was a hard weekend. I, I mean, you know, we all, uh, you know, prepare to to have success. And uh, unfortunately, uh, this past weekend was a, was a tough one for sure. You, you know, you, you try to stay positive and uh, you take out of, uh, you know, the weekend, uh, you know, the kernels that, that you can so that you can move forward. And, you know, in some of our sports, you know, they, they, they actually wrapped up their season, if you will. And so, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a tough one. That was a, that was a tough weekend. I, I, I won't, I won't hide it or sugarcoat it uh, on this pod for sure. Um, you know, it's just difficult. You're in the, you're in the education business for sure. You're, you're trying to, you know, do some things in the big picture, uh, for sure with, uh, students and, uh, in teaching the game of life. But I guess the one thing you learned in the game of life is you don't win every game and, you know, it's how you bounce back and can you be resilient now? And can you be uh, gritty and figure out what went wrong and, Try to figure those things out and and move forward because that's all you can do in life. After chatting with some of the coaches yesterday after some difficult defeats, that was really the message. I mean, from Bubba Schweigert and Brett Halenka from the football side who we talked to, Brad Berry from hockey, self-assessment, look back at what happens. And then, yes, find some things that maybe are correctable, make those changes, get ready to go again in just a couple of days for both those programs. And that's... That's what life is about, right? Brett Halenka's had a great line about this. He said, adversity is going to happen to you on the football field, but it's also going to happen in life. And it's it's how you respond to it. That's going to define you as a person. That's what these teams are going through right now. Yeah. And, you know, games are just part of the program that you're a part of. And, you know, 
you, we still have opportunities um, ahead to, to uh, you know, to put some, you know, really positive things and stamps onto a program and, you know, take football, for example. I mean, you know, obviously you go into the year and you have expectations of, of wanting to, you know, be a, a playoff team and, and Hey, you, you still never know. I mean, I, I mean, we, we've seen a Western Illinois team get in at six and five before. So at the end of the day, uh, you can control what's in front of you. You know, and what's in front of us is a game against Youngstown State at the Alaris Center, and that's that's what we can control. And you know, the la- it, it, truth be told, the last several weeks have been really, really hard for sure. You know, obviously the Western Illinois game w- was was very good at home, but you know, the the losses by a combined total of twenty points has just been really, really hard. And uh, sometimes those are the seasons you have, Alex. And uh, um, it's not what you're looking for, but uh, but I think it's something that we can all hopefully continue to get better at and uh, have a put in a good week of practice and 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 you know play with energy on Saturday and uh, and be excited about it. Since we're talking about football, yeah, just to recap again, a tough loss on the road by four points to a ranked Missouri State team that you know UND had beaten in the playoffs in the spring. I think a lot of us experienced that game while we were in Nashville and the ESPN feed cut out. And so it was kind of like listening to Jack Michaels and trying to figure out what was happening and such a bizarre game. Just, just another, another, (laughs) the latest in a series of difficult losses that just, yeah, it, it, uh, it leaves you walking away and wondering how did that happen? But great effort from the guys. They put themselves in a position to win the game and then a couple of turnovers and things happen and all of a sudden you lose by four and it's another one score loss to a ranked opponent in the Valley that UND just doesn't come out on the right end on, unfortunately. The margins are thin. Margins are really, really thin. And uh, you know, it's the, it comes down to the little things for sure. And uh, you know, we, uh, you know, if you, if you just boil it down to the final four possessions of the game, two for them, two for us, uh, you know, we had opportunities both on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball to close it out. And uh, you know, you got to give your opposition credit. They found a way to make things happen and, and, and they found a way to make the last play, but even, right down to the last possession, you know, it almost kind of felt like there was a chance that we were going to keep them out of the end zone and, and, and potentially go to overtime. And so uh, if they, if they executed a field goal, which you just never know if, uh, if the execution is going to occur. So, yeah, it's just a tough one for the team. No doubt about it. Um, uh, I can only imagine it was a, you know, obviously a tough flight back and uh, you know, that's, that's part of it. It's why you play it, Alex. I mean, and uh, you know, sometimes things go your way and sometimes they don't, but it's not going to keep us from, you know, trying to get after it again this week. As you mentioned, Youngstown State, now the opponent back-to-back home games for UND now this week and then next week against Illinois State noon kickoff at the Alaris Center. Great chance again for this team to get back on the horse and beat a beat a Valley team here and get a little momentum going into November. Bubba talked about this yesterday. We want to be great in November. Like that's always one of the goals. You want to start to peak and ramp up going into playoffs. Even if the postseason doesn't happen this year, even if North Dakota does win these last three, you still have a great chance to push yourself, get above 500, finish the year on a positive note, and then start building toward next season. So still a lot to play for, for this team come this weekend against the Penguins. Of course, no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's exactly right. And so, uh, you know, especially in a sport like that where you have one a week, is uh, it's incredibly important that uh, and you know one a week and then eleven throughout the three sixty five in a normal three sixty five. 
So, but, but, but at the end, um, you know, th- there's just not many of them. And so, uh, you know, all of them are important, you know, regardless, we, you start the game zero, zero, and, uh, you know, we just got to find a way to, uh, to, to eliminate the, uh, the mistakes uh, and, and, and try to continue to play our best football at the end of the year. That, that's what we're striving for. They've certainly had flashes. I mean, you see maybe two and a half quarters or three and a half quarters of, of pretty good football from this team. And just like you said, eliminating mistakes are big. And they've just had maybe one too many against really good teams. And, and that's what's cost North Dakota this season. So if you can get past those sorts of things, again, still a lot of talent on this team. A lot of talent will be coming back next year. Got a chance to finish out strong here again. Youngstown State, Illinois State, and then on the road against South Dakota State to close things out. Hockey, meanwhile, Saturday night in Nashville, a part of a great event and this crazy thing that is a destination game. This North Dakota hockey team took the show on the road to the Music City, and it was a great experience, I think, for the guys, for fans that came down there. Unfortunately, just the end result. I mean, just the the, the last thing, the last box to check was a, a nice win against a good Penn State team in an amazing venue, and they just couldn't quite get the job done. They fall 6-4. to four. And what was really just a... A game where the opposition got out in front early and North Dakota was playing catch up from the start and never quite pulled level, even though they pulled themselves back within one, what, four different times. They just couldn't quite get it tied up too much Penn State in the end, able to find an answer every time North Dakota would come back. Yeah, it felt like, uh, you know, we were chasing the game a little bit and uh, and that sometimes happens. And uh, you got to give credit to Penn State. I thought they played, you know, um, a really good game. Um you know, they uh, certainly um, uh, played within, uh, you know, themselves. And, uh, you know, I think with 14 new faces on the hockey team, you know, it's going to take a little bit to, to kind of really uh, define roles and to make sure that, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I hate to use the, the Belichick line, but do your job, right? I mean, that's what it kind of feels like. It feels like, you know, there's a still just, you know, um, you know, the opportunity for us to, to continue to figure out who we are as a team. And, um, you know, I get credit to the opposition that it felt like, you know, they kind of maybe played to their, their game or their strengths. Um, whereas maybe we kind of, uh, you know, in some ways we're maybe trying to be a little overzealous in some way, shape or form. And, and it led to maybe, uh, a couple of, um, odd man rushes. And, uh, and that was, uh, you know, that, that, that spelled it for us to some degree, but the grit and, uh, the, the team, the team never certainly gave up. I mean, it was right down to the end, obviously scoring the, uh, um, you know, the, uh, when we pulled uh, yeah, the, um, Zach, the extra yeah, the extra attacker. Yeah. And, you know, so so all the way down to the end, you know, it, we're still grinding. But, yeah, uh, give Jody Hodgson um, a whole lot of credit and uh, his staff. And I know a number on our um our staff, uh, you know, obviously uh, made all of that occur and happen, but uh, um, just just a tremendous, uh, certainly a tremendous environment uh, in the game at Bridgestone, and uh, um, I'm I'm sure our fan base enjoyed it. I thought that I thought that Brad Schlossman's, uh, um, you know, uh, tracking of all of the folks that were coming from different places was interesting again. And it goes to show that, you know, a lot of, um, it seems like a lot of our, our fans, our alums, they may not necessarily be in Grand Forks. They may not necessarily go to games at the Ralph, but they might end up going to these destination games. So it's kind of interesting how that works out. So, uh, um, you know, we, because of the pandemic, uh, we're going to uh, roll right into it again next year. 
Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. That announcement was made official, I think, during the third period, start of the third period of the game. And it was fun to hear Bridgestone Arena just erupt. And then people people had, this has been rumored, of course, and people kind of knew, ah, you know, Arizona State, Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. But fun to see that it was official, official now. And so that, that game, by the way, almost a year, exactly a year from the Nashville game, October 29th, 2022, against the Sun Devils coming up from Arizona to take us on at T-Mobile Arena. Tickets on sale February 7th for Champions Club members, and then on February the 12th for the general public. Can I say, you mentioned Jody, and we chatted with Jody again so throughout this process, again, before the trip to Nashville, during, the uh, on the game, we, we had him on in the pregame show. And like, that guy, just... And your staff as well. I mean, everybody from Eric Martinson and Val Sussex and, and, and uh, countless numbers of people that were just all over it all weekends. I mean, the amount of planning and organization to get things to go off as they did, I just can't imagine the number of hours put in. And, and it was it, it was a phenomenal weekend and people had great memories that they're going to take with them. And it just, I'm just really impressed that, the, that your staff and the REA staff can pull things like this off and do so at such a high clip. Again, that's really commendable and uh, very, very impressive for sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I, and I think you couldn't do it without a phenomenal fan base. And obviously, uh, you know, there's a, there's a risk there's a risk to, uh, to doing something like this and uh, a financial risk. And, uh, and uh, without the incredible support of our fans, um, you, you wouldn't take such a risk. And I, I, would, I would dare say there's not another program in the country that would, that would take on that financial risk. Just, you know, because you have to do it once, to do it twice, to do it three times. And, uh, you know, I think we're cognizant of the fact of, you know, our, our, our fan base has been incredibly great to us. And we need to be thoughtful, too, as far as how often you might do this uh, moving forward. But um, given the fact that with the pandemic and how that worked out with the um, hockey, uh, College Hockey Hall of Fame game, uh, next year we felt like that was still a uh, – um, we, we know our fan base obviously will enjoy going to Vegas. There's no doubt about it. And you know, obviously with the Engelstads, uh, you know, um, home base being Vegas makes a whole lot of sense. So, you know, we'll kind of go ahead and do this again, but the differential then from 18 is where it really was difficult for, for Jody and crew to kind of retrofit the Orleans arena. At least T-Mobile will be no different than kind of Bridgestone. You just got to get to know the arena, so to speak, because obviously they're playing hockey there. Yeah, It was such a unique juxtaposition from 2018 to 2021. Cause like you said, the Orleans, Again, different pros and cons. You know, you had the Orleans where you had the hotel connected. Everybody was basically in the same spot and you had complete control of that venue. And the venue was smaller, of course, 7,500 people versus, you know, we had think almost 15,000 at the game on Saturday. But you also had the problems of then trying to get that arena to be ready for hockey again. They hadn't had a hockey game in however many years, six, seven years since the ACH or the ECHL team folded there. And Jody's fielding calls about what color the lines should be and what colored paint the crease should be and the days leading up to the game. Those weren't issues at Bridgestone Arena, and they certainly will not be at T-Mobile come 2022. But it was just, it was unique to sort of see this. This in Nashville just felt so much bigger. I, in Vegas in 2018, it almost felt like a, 
it was a big party. I mean, obviously, like there were still 7,000 people, over 7,000 people there, and it was a tremendous event. It felt like you could kind of wrap your arms around it, though, at least from my perspective. Maybe it was because, too, our press box was not <laughs> up in the rafters. Mm-hmm. You could barely see the guys in Orleans Arena. We were sitting amongst the fans, and you were right there, and you could really feel it. This, you almost felt a little more detached from what was happening because you were so high up. But um, but two great experiences, two very different experiences, and it'll be different again next season. And that's what makes all of these so much fun. Even if we're going back to the same place, it's going to be a different experience here uh, in 364 days time or whatever. It's it's going to be really cool to look forward to again. I, I would agree with all of that, Alex. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, it was uh, just interesting to just witness, you know, kind of Nashville and kind of how it rolls, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's a... Uh, um, you know, I'm sure many uh, folks made the trip for the first time ever to Nashville and just to see aspiring musicians literally walking the street in the mornings, you know, I mean, getting ready to go on stage and uh, just really just interesting. It really was. And so from that perspective, it was uh, it was enlightening. And then uh, obviously having the uh, um, the Predators play that afternoon, that probably brought on a different dimension that you had to kind of deal with. But at the end of the day, I think everything, you know, worked pretty well with the arena. And so I think we're probably in the same boat next year when it comes to T-Mobile. Yeah, a tremendous event, a lot of fun. I think people had a, a phenomenal time and it was a, a privilege to get to be a part of that. It was so much fun to broadcast that game. And I don't know, again, just just thanks. I think on behalf of the North Dakota fan base and, and from our Midco Sports crew, you know, thank you. And, and thanks to Jody and thanks to just our university and the REA for, for like you said, being willing to take a risk to make something like this happen. Well, we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about a couple of the other things, too. I thought the luncheon that you were a part of was mm-hmm. tremendous. Uh, you and Brad did a fantastic job. Um, so kudos to you on that. And then we had a couple of alumni groups back. We had our uh, swim alums back. And uh, then we also had our uh, um, uh, hockey alums back. And so that was just uh, tremendous as well. So, uh, you know, there just was some uh, neat things surrounding uh, the actual event itself. So so it was a little bit more to that, but the luncheon was definitely special. I mean, you can probably speak to that a little bit more because you were really, truly intimately involved with it. But Seven Element is doing just such a great job down in uh, Nashville. And that's a that's something that maybe can happen throughout the uh, throughout the country. And it doesn't necessarily have to be hockey per se, but I just think hockey, um, it just it fit for that group. Yeah. If you weren't tracking on this, uh, listeners out there, there is... A real need in this country for for support for veterans and first responders that are coming off obviously really you know jobs that that puts you in situations that really affect your life and when you leave those positions you know you bring you carry some of the scars with you and Seven Element was a group um, in Nashville that was founded by a man named Brian Bailey who was a, a combat veteran did eighty nine months of of combat duty I mean eighty nine months think about that. Nine tours, 89 months, right? So almost 10 months a tour. I mean, so, but you're right, almost nine years. I mean, and he just, he spoke so eloquently about the challenges um, and not just, I would say with veterans coming back as well, but uh, just the ability then to get them into a, uh, a room let's call it a locker room that's going to play a sport that means nothing at that point. The game is irrelevant, 
but it's the actual camaraderie of the locker room, getting prepared to play. It's, it's something they're familiar with. It's, it was almost familiar with what they were doing when they were serving. And then, but they, they almost had the ability to have, um, uh, you know, a, a very organic way to share stories with each other. It's almost like an organic counseling session in some way, shape, or form. And, and, and that was kind of the whole thought process. And then uh, one of our great alums, Brad Miller, uh, who works with the Predators, um, it, you know, it has been connected with this group as well. So you and Brad went up and Brad Schlossman wrote a great article about it, but you all did an, a, a very good job um, just previewing the game. And then Brian came up and spoke and just really really impassioned and it's just uh you know it's something you just have to think about as you, as as all of us you know watch people coming back after serving uh, our nation yeah i mean that's freedom's not free and those people pay that price even if they don't pay it with their their lives on duty you know you you carry that with you when you come home and so again it, it was it was great that we were able to highlight that i think that jody reached out and that that became a part of this weekend and, he, and jody always talked about that we want to leave something behind in nashville and all the proceeds from that fan luncheon went to that organization again seven the number seven and then elements and there are obviously organizations like that all across the country maybe not through hockey like you said but if if that's something that that calls to you because it is a big need in our country you know feel free to reach out and look out for some of those things to be able to to pour yourself or pour your time or, or, or your money into uh, to help those people out that's that makes a big difference yeah, the, the connectivity with first responders as well is uh, this group does deal with uh, with the um, op- has opened it up to first responders as well because they seem to have a uh, um, you know kind of a connectivity to 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 um, you know our veterans that are coming back and and when our veterans are coming back and they're transitioning to the next chapters of their life that that's the most critical time where they really need some support. And I think that's what this group has done a phenomenal job with. Yeah. Well, it was a privilege to be a part of that as well. And cool to see that that again, took center stage, you know, did the day before the game and, and was a big, it was a big thing in this weekend and an important thing. And probably the most important thing that happened over the course of the, you know, 72 hours that people were in Nashville. So it, a really special, special weekend. And that was a special thing to be a part of. You know, no doubt. To your point, by the way, too, again, people coming from all over, 47 different states, I think was the number, multiple provinces. Uh, I know when I was walking around the arena before the game, people would come up and, and say like, hey, we watched from New York. We're so excited to see the team in person. Or, oh, I'm from North Carolina. This is the first game I've got to go to in person in a long time. And these aren't people that are going to necessarily make the trip all the way back to Grand Forks. But when you can come to a fun place like Nashville, like Las Vegas, like Madison Square Garden in New York City a couple of years ago, you do get a chance to have that connection with alumni or just fans that happen to have spread themselves out all across the country and the world. And that's that's something, like you said, that no other program does. And I was listening to the USCHO.com, one of their many podcasts the other day. And Jimmy Connolly, who is, is a part of that site, um, and Ed Trevsker, who's one of the play-by-play voices for one of the East Coast hockey teams, they raised the question, does any other program even consider this? And Jimmy right away said, absolutely not. Nobody else could pull this off. And he said, just because, he said, other fan bases are great. There's no fan base in the country like North Dakota. And this is an East Coast guy. Jimmy's a guy from Boston recognizing that this is special. What North Dakota has is unique. And that's not like any place else in the NCAA that's a really cool thing for this little school in Grand Forks, North Dakota to be able to have. 
No, it, it really is. And, and obviously, you know, you want to cap it off with a W and uh, that was uh, certainly something that uh, obviously the guys wanted to to do as well. But, you know, Penn State was there to, to kind of ruin the party, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I thought they they did a good job. They came in, they locked it down pretty quick and they got off to a pretty good start where I thought the, you know, the snowball could go rolling down the hill if we, if, if we could have got it going. Um, but, uh, you know, provides us opportunity this week to, to, to try to get better. No different than we're talking about football. Uh, no, no rest for the weary, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's Denver, it's Denver week. So, uh, so let's go. I know what is time to schedule <laughs> one of your oldest rivals. This is going to be a crazy month now for North Dakota hockey because again, Denver comes to town this weekend, number eleven in the country, but a team that is better, I think, even than their ranking. A lot of high-powered offense on that team coming in. Then you look next week. Again, this is NCHC play. Every weekend's tough. You got to go on the road to Miami, which is a tough place to go play. Then you host Minnesota Duluth, and then you host the Gophers over Thanksgiving weekends. And then you go to St. Cloud to start off December. There's just no let up. Like you said, no rest for the weary but that's what makes it so much fun every weekend is a playoff game against a big rival when you're north dakota and that will certainly be the case at the ralph this friday and saturday night that's right i think the ralph will be rocking and uh you know we're excited about it and so uh just a reminder uh we'll drop the puck at seven o'clock on uh on friday night and six o'clock on saturday so just uh make sure that you've got those uh times i guess uh in your head because obviously those have been uh changed up a little bit this year Yep. Lock those in. Lock those in. So again, your your weekend looks like this. You've got exhibition women's basketball on Thursday. We're going to chat about hoops in just a second, but the women taking on Minnesota Crookston Thursday night at seven at the Betty. UND hockey against Denver on Friday at seven. UND football at noon against Youngstown State. And then UND hockey game two against Denver, six o'clock on Saturday night, if you got all that. So uh, a lot of good stuff coming up this weekend. Uh, just to wrap, wrap back again last week, and you mentioned some teams wrapping up their seasons. The cross-country teams were down in Tulsa in the Summit League Championships. You know, Kyle Doporowski, I had talked with him in the middle of the week, and they were really excited. They were coming off some really good performances. They were, they were doing the math and crunching the numbers, and they thought they really had a good chance with the men and the women's teams you know, to get up on the podium and, and to finish pretty high. And, and things just didn't quite go their way this weekend as, as they both finish fifth in the team standings. And um Sometimes that happens on a particular meet. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think uh, we knew it was going to be close, and uh, I think our apex was certainly the podium. And so uh, that was I, the one thing that Kyle said that is, you know, they left it all out on the course for sure, you know, but uh, teams had uh, good days there, and uh, everyone was, uh, you know, everyone striving to have their best meet and best, uh, you know, day uh, that particular Saturday. And uh, yep, found we found ourselves ultimately at the end of the uh, rainbow, if you will. Um, uh, middle of the pack. Alyssa Peterson and Mackenzie Burian both made all summit uh, on the women's side. Number of men finished just outside. I mean, Luke Labat was 17th. Um, Patrick Kemboy, who won the championship a season ago, finished 20th. There were some good individual performances. But again, like you said, everybody's running well this time of year. And South Dakota State, North Dakota State, USD, there were a lot of really good teams in action that just happened to be a little bit better than the Fighting Hawks on the day. And so it's it's a disappointing way to finish what was a great cross-country season for both the men and the women. But again, like you said, what do you do? You turn the page, you move on to indoor track. I know that's not necessarily going to be the forte of a lot of these runners, but 
Indoor season starts right away, outdoors right around the corner, and then next year, UND is hosting the cross-country championships. Ironically, on the same day that we will be in Vegas, unfortunately, on October the 29th, 2022, but cool to think that next year now, that'll be a championship year for North Dakota where they'll be able to host, I'm assuming, just over at the golf course? Yep, over at Ray Richards. Yep, over at Ray Richards. So that's exciting. So cool to see that coming up uh, for the first time to Grand Forks in the Summit Nagara. Yeah, I know it's it is exciting to uh, to host a Summit League Championship. So we'll be excited about that. Yeah, whenever you've got um, multiple sports, uh, the calendars sometimes you try to get them so that they work out for you. I mean, sometimes there's just going to be you know instances where you're going to have to double book on a day, and uh, that's not it's not ideal for sure. But uh, but you know there's there's certain things that you've got to take into account, and certainly the availability of an arena, let's just say in Vegas, and then the availability of an opponent to play in said arena, and so so those are the things that you're you're kind of navigating and working through. So uh, so, anyways, but our staff will uh, will divide and conquer. You always do, and you always make it work. That's something this athletics department's gotten pretty good at over the years. Uh, well, again, congrats to the cross-country teams on a really strong, strong season here in 2021, and best of luck to them as they turn the page over to the indoor track season. Another team that saw their season come to an end this past week was women's soccer. Uh, Chris Logan's club going on the road. A couple of, again, kind of the story of the season, a one nothing defeat uh, against uh, St. Thomas. And then the goals were flowing. You could tell he opened up the throttle a little bit against Western Illinois, and they went after it, and they went down a couple of goals. They got a couple back in the second half, but they still fall 4-2. to two. Just one of those tough years, just one conference win this season after being a Summit League tournament team just a couple of years ago. But a really young team, Bill. I mean, that's, that's part of this process of growing and building your program. You're going to have bumps in the road like this sometimes. Yeah, we know Coach Logan has built the team up at one point, and, and now we've, we've kind of taken a couple steps back to build it back up again. And, uh, you know, we knew that we were playing a lot of freshmen. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And so there's only one way you get experience is to play. And uh, that's what's happened. So hopefully, you know, knock on wood, we're, uh, um, you know, we, we took some of those um, sep- some of those lumps this year that uh, will make us better for it uh, as early as next year. Of their eight conference losses this season, I believe five were by one goal. I mean, just narrow margins and some were heartbreakers. And so, like you said, you hope as, as a team, you can learn from it and move on. They replay, They do have a couple of really important seniors that have been on this team and been factors since they were freshmen. And so... You wish those ladies well as they move on. But yeah, for this team, all about growing the experience, building this team, and then pushing on. They'll, they'll play a couple of games in the spring, of course, and get ready for another another chance to go again next fall. Yeah, you know, the uh, the other thing is, is it's interesting. Um you know, especially in a sport like that, there's times where you're in, you're in a, you could be in a tie, tie match and you might uh, decide to, I'll say, play for the tie. And we were in a position where he was going for it because we needed we needed W's to kind of get up the uh, up the table, as we like to yeah. say. And so at the end of the day, you know, we were we were certainly making uh, efforts and pushes to to win matches. And so uh, um, and you might say that might have cost us to some degree at times too. And so uh, maybe you know, right? And probably Fargo was probably the the uh, the one that 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 sticks out the most. You know. I I mean, pressing front footing and uh, gave up a, uh, a counter uh, late in the match and uh, less than 30 seconds. And uh, and you find yourself uh, down uh, by a goal and, and, and then losing by that margin. So anyways, all that to be said, I think a lot of experience was had, um, you know, and Chris, uh, I think he's built this thing back at one point. Now we just got to try to build it back and then sustain. Trust the process. 
with Mr. Yeah. Morgan. He's a good guy, and he's, he's he'll get he'll get things figured out within that program moving forward. Uh, volleyball, meanwhile, same set of opponents as women's soccer had this past weekend, and unfortunately, same kind of results: two narrow losses at home against Western Illinois in a five-setter that was just crazy. I mean, all of those sets were right down to the wire, and then they fall in four against St. Thomas on Saturday. Still a volleyball team that's looking for their first conference win of the season. A couple of tough opponents coming to t- uh, on the road now coming up this next week. This is one of those years. Sometimes you have seasons like this where things just do not go your way, and that's been the case for volleyball here in 2021. Tough year. Sometimes the uh, it does it, it, it. The pendulum swings one way, and everything's going your way. And then sometimes uh, the breaks don't go your way, and uh, it's been an incredibly difficult year for that program. They get to go to Denver and then to Omaha this week, two of the top teams in the league. And then they'll be back home on the 13th against North Dakota State and the 18th against South Dakota. Those two games will be live on Midcoast Sports. So some UND volleyball coming your way on the airwaves coming up as this team tries to finish out the season on a positive note. You wish that crew the best as they move forward here. That's right. That's right. What you've got to do is kind of uh, just try to eliminate what's transpired and, and try to get get yourself to uh, a place where you can uh, get some momentum for the offseason so that you can uh, uh, get, get this program back where it was just a, a few years ago. Volleyball season starting to wind down. Just a couple of matches left. On the flip side, winter sports, Bill, are getting started. And we saw that last night at the Betty on Monday night, the men's hoops team with an exhibition win over Mayville State. The women, as we mentioned a minute ago, getting started with their exhibition season coming up on Thursday against Crookston. The men and the women are both in similar spots where they basically have not completely new teams, but pretty close. A lot of new faces on both of these programs. We saw some of that maybe youth and and just guys getting used to playing with each other sort of come out last night and what ended up being a pretty close match uh, against Mayville State. It did. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, if you look back, Mayville's had a pretty good run here the last three years or so. Uh, you know, um, really, really good runs, actually. And uh, they kind of know who they are. They play a zone. Uh, you know, they they make things very, very difficult. And they had a couple of guards that I thought did a fantastic job yesterday. Um, but you're right. All four uh you know, a, a good chunk of those teams uh, at the Betty and the Ralph, whether it be soccer, um, hockey, and the two basketballs, just have a tremendous amount of new 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 people on their rosters. And you're trying to blend them in, and you're trying to figure out what their roles are. And even last night, you could just tell um, it was you know um, first time in in the uniform, first time you know in front of fans. Um, it, there's just a lot of pieces to it. Again, remember last year uh, we just didn't have a lot of fans, and it was always a little bit uh, interesting whether or not you wanted to go to a, a game or not. So, you know, we're, we're kind of feeling our way back into this a little bit. But uh, yeah, found a way to win the game, which was good. Um, Mitchell Sucker had a, a, a pretty good second half. Um, and so he did a pretty good job. And um, I thought the experience kind of came through a little bit. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, found a way to, to win a game. Uh, we got all 40 minutes in. So, uh, and uh, found a way to, you know, you know, get to the last two minutes of the game, which, you know what, Alex, is is not a bad thing in some ways. I mean, really, I mean, it, it, that's almost impossible to replicate in practice to some degree. And we're going to be in those games. And so to find a way to be in a kind of a pressurized situation in an exhibition game, 
that that's not necessarily the worst thing. I mean, for sure. I mean, there's other schools around the country that that may have won by 30, but then there's others that have lost as well. And I know like a Point Loma beat Pepperdine. I mean, uh, Coach mm. Coach Sather was saying that, you know, and I, you know, so, you know, it's, these are always interesting times. Teams are trying to figure out themselves and then you got other teams coming in and this is their chance. And so uh, um, I, we really appreciate what Mayville did last night. And I thought they were very well coached and uh, they played with a lot of energy. Yeah, the UND men now will turn the page to games that matter. Regular season action coming up a week from today. Home games, Bill. Hey, here we go. Home games in the non-conference. They get to take on Milwaukee coming up on the 9th at 7 o'clock. That's going to be a Milwaukee. But you won't want to miss that, by the way. Milwaukee has got one of the top, top, top recruits in the country who's going to be a very high NBA draft pick likely next season. Uh, that'll be a really fun game to see him in action as well as see our guys figure out how to deal with with that. And then they get Montana coming up on the 15th as well at home. So a couple of good tests against powerful mid-major opponents in the Betty in the next two weeks. Yeah, first time we've been able to welcome a, a Division One non-conference opponent in the Paul Sather era. I mean, that's, that how, yeah. that's how crazy it's been since he was uh, hired. It's just... It's, it's hard to just really believe, actually. But uh, Pat Baldwin III will be here. And uh, it was between, I guess, saying yes to his dad or Mike Krzyzewski. So it was like one or the other. And so he said yes to his dad. And, uh, and so he'll be uh, rolling around the Betty next week. And so uh, we're excited about that. Yeah, really good stuff. That Montana game will be live on Midcoast Sports. That Milwaukee game will be live on Valley Sports North. So a lot of TV options if you can't get into the Betty. The women, again, as we mentioned, exhibition against Minnesota Crookston coming up on Thursday. Then they go on the road to start their regular season, going down to Utah and Texas with Weber State coming up on the 9th and then UTEP on the 13th. I talked to Mallory the other day. She's excited about how things are coming together. I know just like always, some ups and downs and trying to figure things out with a new team and still going through all this COVID protocol stuff, et cetera. But they're excited about the team that they've gotten. They think this year is going to look a lot different than last season. Yeah, you know, that's a good word, different. Um, and then uh, yeah, this year is just different, you know, but still you're right. The protocols are still in place. We just haven't really talked about them all that much. But And, and maybe we're getting more... Um, I don't want to say used to, but certainly we, we see folks, you know, they, they go into the protocol no matter what sport it might be. And, um, you know, we've saw, we've seen NFL coaches, you know, not, not coach games. And, you know, we, I hate to say we're getting kind of used to it to some degree, but it just seems like that's still out there. And, uh, and just, we have to be cognizant of that. So, uh, but yeah, um, excited for, uh, for that group to get rolling next week as well. Women's Hoops, just one of seven teams in action. No big deal. Just another routine, that October-November flip. And and it all happens as we get an extra hour of sleep, though, Bill. So it works out pretty good. Daylight savings time coming up this weekend. So fall back, set those clocks back, and enjoy. Enjoy the extra time. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it is a, it is definitely a, uh, you know, whenever you get those, those, those times of years where uh, you've got both uh, um, seasons uh, kind of one concluding and one picking up, it, it is challenging, but it's exciting too. Yeah, I would agree. Good. Well, anything else on your agenda from a UND or an NCAA perspective? I don't think so. I think we're good. I think that's, uh, there's enough on our plate, uh, moving forward. So, uh, you know, excited to see everybody, uh, you know, at the, at our venues this weekend and, uh, you know, excited to, uh, to get back at it, uh, starting Thursday night with the women's basketball at the Betty. 
Yeah, same here. Amen. Good. Well, let's do a quick flip over to the B side, which is going to start kind of like the A side with with some bummer news from our world of sports with the Boston Red Sox, uh, unfortunately, not able to advance to the World Series. And that was our last pod two weeks ago. Boston's up 2-1, feeling great at home. We, we were optimistic, uh, pretty pretty excited. Any positive adjective you could use, we were, we were in that podcast. And then they lose that night, kind of in heartbreaking fashion, and then they didn't win a game the rest of the way. And now we're, we're cheering for the Braves to finish out the Astros in the World Series. As we said all the, the, the entire time, though, like this is a Red Sox team that overachieved, and it's just unfortunate that our hopes got, got really lifted up so much, only for them to be crushed in the ends, Bill. Yeah, it felt like that game four was important, right? That, that yeah. game four, I, Cora went for it and uh, brought in Evaldi and... It just didn't work out, and uh, and then uh, had to play less than twenty four hours later, and uh, Houston had seized momentum and uh, really didn't give it up. So, uh, in fact, you know, just the way the pendulum swung with the Red Sox, it just it was once the light switch went off, it was like hard to score runs. It was like it was either feast or famine with them offensively, and so uh, and it was a um, lot of famine at the end. Biblical. It was it was Egypt there for a little bit, and not not in the good years uh, for, for those those games four, five, and six. And that's baseball sometimes, though. And it, it, the guys that Boston was hammering early in that series, all of a sudden were unhittable in the in the last end of the series. And yeah, it's just um, it's incredible how quickly things can flip in that sport. And that that was certainly the case. It wasn't like the personnel changed; nobody got hurt. It was the same same guys out there. And after scoring what 12, 13 runs one night, and you know you're getting one maybe the next night, and I, that flip, by the way, to go from a night game for game number four to a day game the next day for game number five in Boston, who I mean, just I know you're professionals, and it's you gotta just reset and recalibrate and all those sorts of things. You would think Major League Baseball though would maybe give you a day. I don't know, give you a day in between. It's the most important time of year. Why are you throwing these guys right back out there? It was odd to me that that's how it got set up. And when they lost that game in game four at night, man, I, I just didn't have a good feeling about how things were going to go the next day. And it did not go their way. Just yeah, around. Yeah, I thought game four uh, was going to be the, 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 the key because I think if the Red Sox had won it, I think they win game five. Yeah, probably. Houston's done. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it went the opposite way. It did. It did. So we're we're hot stove now. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Yeah. Are you? By the way, do you have a rooting interest in the World Series? I know right now the Braves are up three to two as we pod today. Do you want to see Houston lose? Do you care at all? Is there any bitterness? It's just. It just it's 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 already gone. Bill's got too much stuff on his plate. He doesn't no, we're done. We're done. I I haven't watched much of uh it. I I I hear the Braves are up three two. Have not watched much of it, but uh, who knows? I I um I really have no desire either one to tell you the truth. I could care less. I I um I'm and I'm not bothered by Houston and all the other, you know, all the other stuff. I guess that has occurred with them. I'm just, uh, you know, we unfortunately lost very regional sport, as we all know. Once your team loses, man, you're out. You're out. Yep. No, I would agree with you. I the only the only game action that I have seen have been in the backgrounds as as we've been eating in, in a restaurant in Nashville. Those sorts of things. 
and I've got friends who are Braves fans who I've like sort of tried to token pay attention and like say, hey, good luck tonight. But I, I've even I've even given up on that now after after a couple of days and just too much other stuff going on. So I agree. Move yep. On. Yep. Hot we move summer. on. We move on to the winter. Uh, speaking of moving on, it's a good segue to Tottenham Hotspur, who have moved on from their manager. The uh, the Nuno Espirito Santo era didn't didn't last more than four months, Bill. Man. Thoughts on the change. Nuno out and Antonio Conte in. I was not able to watch the match on Saturday against United. And so uh, it, it was really an, an interesting uh, match between two clubs that were uh, had two managers on the hot seat. And uh, it did not go well for the Spurs. And uh, I guess they didn't have a shot on target all match. And so I don't know what that is, but that probably is not great. And so uh, they just moved on. Now it seems like they were trying to get Conte in June. And it sounds like he had just kind of come off uh, his season had left inter. And as he says it, now, whether however it goes, is that maybe there is a little time put in between uh, then and now, and now is a better time than than then. And you know, I think they've got a pretty good manager. I think coming. I think. I mean, I, I think he will. He'll figure out that roster because they've obviously gone through you know a cycle of managers now. Now I think they're going to start firing the roster. <laughs> Or the director of football, if this one doesn't work out. But you are right. I mean, this is this is now you know their third manager since Pochettino. Yep. Because they had you know, and so they have now gone. Obviously, Mourinho was a big name. Nuno was a guy that had done it in the EPL with a smaller club in Wolves. Now they've gone back to a foot a big club football manager, and Conte has won four Scudettos in Italy and three three with Juventus. And then he just, just had one in Inter and then just couldn't come to terms with the Inter Milan people this last year. Won an EPL title with Chelsea. I believe won an FA Cup with Chelsea the following season too. I mean, he's he's a good manager. He, he managed Italy for a long time to success on the national team level. This is a man you can win things with. And that, that is a good thing because I believe today I saw a tweet from Bleacher Report Soccer that today it's been actually 5,000 days since Spurs last won a major trophy. 5,000, Bill. So you got a man coming in that has a uh, large cabinet full of trophies that hopefully can help you win one. Well, he's, uh, he has to get his head around uh, getting Harry Kane to play better. And, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, at this point, um, hopefully that will happen. And, uh, you know, amazingly, when it's all said and done, though, I mean, they're five and five in the Premier League. I mean, they're obviously very average. I get it. But, you know, they're sitting there middle of the table. And as we all know, a couple of good weekends in a row, you could find yourself obviously, you know, close to relegation, I guess, or you could be close to, to uh, or I should say, the top four. I mean, you could. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, um, I think they had to do probably something. It was a curious hire. To begin with, I mean, uh, it was well. He was he was their ninth or tenth choice. I mean, everybody everybody and their brother said no thanks to the Spurs job when it was available this summer. They couldn't get anybody else, Bill. 
Well, part of it was the whole cane saga, right? Like, so you didn't know what was going to happen there. And so it, it almost felt like you needed to get that resolved at some stage. They've been better off just having Ryan Mason keep going with it at this point until you wanted to kind of figure it out. But, you know, that thing just kind of just that saga just kind of enveloped in everything. And I think that was part of the issue. So we'll see what happens. I, um, I, 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 it's been really now five years since they really were playing any sort of good football. Really? He's consistently. I mean, the crazy thing is, aren't they just, they're just three years removed from the Champions League final. Yeah, but that was coming off a January to the, to the Champions League where they, I think, were one of the worst teams in the Premier League. And so it just was ironic that they were winning, they were winning their uh, matches in the Champions League or figuring out lucky ways to beat City and Ajax. Yeah. I have no idea how they did it, but they did it. And they found themselves in that championship. But every other match, I think, that they were playing, they lost. And so mm-hmm. it's just they, they've not played a consistent brand of football for a while. I've got a trivia question for you. So one of the reasons why the fans turned on Nuno was because they were extremely conservative. And you've scored nine goals in 10 matches this season. How many EPL clubs do you think have a fewer goal return through the opening 10 matches this year? Yeah, it's the night, teams 19 and 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we are, 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 you know, plus minus in goals. We really should be 18th in the table. It's, it's actually hard to believe that they're sitting in ninth place at this point because the end of the day, I'll call it, when we lose, we lose. And when we win, we win by a goal. Yeah, you are a negative seven yep, in goal difference. All the, <laughs> and that's not great. You've only scored nine goals. Only Norwich has scored fewer. I think that's the other thing, too. If you look Ooh. at just goals scored, yep. even teams like Burnley and Newcastle and like these teams that typically cannot score like they're known for being conservative and defensive they've scored more goals than you so i think that's this is a spurs team whose motto is to dare is to do and that's not been the mantra in the nuno era so Conte, a much more aggressive coach a much more forward thinking get ready for a lot of three at the back bill unless he changes his mind a lot of old guys Conte likes old guys so <laughs> that's what you got to look forward to. So three in the back with the two wing backs with two that wing could backs. come back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's at least been his, his flavor um, that we've seen over the years. And it's effective, obviously, for his, uh, if, you, if you look at his success. Yeah. And if you look at their roster right now, Regulon on the left side and Royale on the right side, they actually do like to get up and down the pitch. So I, I think it will suit them well. Uh, I, as my son said, I just don't know if we have three to play in the back. I mean, I just, you know, I mean, we, we do, we will, but um, I think he's going to, uh, uh, let's just say we might be active in January. Mm. That would be my guess. He does like to spend money. That is, that is also an Antonio Conte trope. That's why things didn't work out in Inter when they had said, nah, we're not going to open the checkbook this summer. And he said, okay, good. I'm good then. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. So, so December, excuse me, November, I, I, I don't know their matches per se, but it, it's a doable, it's a doable fixture list. And, and it was 
I think something had to happen right now, because if you look ahead to that list right now, you're going, I don't think you can roll out there with what transpired this past Saturday. Yeah. There is an international break coming up, which gives him a little bit of more additional time on the training ground. It, assuming that Spurs players aren't shipped all across the world, but you get a chance to see what Conte will bring to the table this weekend against an Everton team who's probably worse than you are right now. So a great chance somebody's going to get a win or at least a draw in that game. Somebody has to. So we will see if it is Tottenham Hotspur or if it's poor Rafa Benitez and uh, the Toffees who are really struggling at the moment as well. So Yeah, I, you know what's interesting? It, what ended up uh, in what I learned and it just this is kind of fascinating. I don't know if you, you heard this or, or read this, but it actually happened. But the because they're in, again, that conference, uh, let's just call it UEFA conference, whatever. The conference, the conference league. Yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, we, we they, they really separated out their 11s. And so he kept everybody back that played, that played the week before in the Premier League and didn't bring them to the Netherlands. And at the end of the day, even though you weren't going to play him, I, I think that was something at the locker room was not excited about. Hmm. So it was kind of like, yeah, I got no chance to play on the weekend. And I think that's what Harry Winks was articulating. And, you know, he's one that has really, I mean, his, his career has really hit a tough spat patch right now. And so, uh, I mean, he was, on, on on the England team and I mean he was he was doing pretty good and boy it's been tough for him so we'll see well you could say that for just about everybody I think Sun is really the only one who's played well this year I don't think anybody else on that team you know as <laughs> even you you couldn't say that their form is good let's just say that not a lot of bright spots on that roster right now so hopefully a new manager can shake it up a little bit and get back into relevance and again you're not again, it's early 10 games in you got 28 games to go plenty of time left plenty of time left to make something happen in the EPL and you could still win the conference league though you can still win the conference i would say this is that the one person that's a little jealous that uh that this occurred was Paul Ralston. I mean, he, he's been, <laughs> he's been wanting his, uh, his arsenal to make a move here. Uh, and uh, he was, a, he was actually somewhat impressed with our team's uh, willingness to just go forward. Paul's crazy. I, it's Paul cracks me up every time he didn't like Unai Emery. He didn't like Mikel Arteta. He didn't like, he was, he was a Wenger out guy. Just come on. <laughs> Don't talk to me about Ralston when it comes to soccer. Just not not a lot of loyalty for that man. Arsenal are, are in sixth place, but they're only two points ahead of Spurs. It's a crazy, crazy time we're living in right now. You just never know. It is. It is. How's your Liverpool doing? You know, they had a unfortunate result this weekend. They were up 2-0 on Brighton at home and had the Seagulls come back and then draw 2-2. And that was disappointing. But um, Because the form has been good. Liverpool have been playing pretty well. They're unbeaten in Champions League. They're actually unbeaten in all competitions. They haven't lost a game in a long, long time. But they have a lot of draws. They have four draws this season. So they're second place in the league, three points behind Chelsea. Playing pretty well. Just got to win some games. That's kind of the big thing for them right now. Yep, yep. Well, the good news for the Spurs, they don't draw. <laughs> they win or lose. They win or lose. That's when it. They lose, it goes poorly. So, oh, it goes poorly. Usually, pretty quick too. <laughs> At least you know. Then you can just get out, go have a sandwich, take a walk. That's right. I don't have to go the whole ninety. 
Oh man. Well, we've we've gone about ninety here, so it's probably that's time right. To step I in. think it's time. Oh well, good stuff, Bill. Uh, best of luck this week. Busy weekend at home. Good luck to you and your crew as you recover from a busy week on the road and get ready for the stretch run for some of our fall sports and the start of the season for our winter sports teams as well. well I appreciate it, Alex. And uh, don't forget, this is uh, the completion of 99. The next one is big 100 century marker. Boy, watch out. There's going to be a lot of special guests. I've got a feeling there's going to be uh, extra production involved. We'll let Cassie know to really spruce up some of the after effects and the sound and et cetera. It's going to be a, a fun one come two weeks from today. So mark your calendars. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people around the world will be congratulating us, right? <laughs> I, I am. I'm ready. Oh, good. Well, until then, until episode 100, he is athletics director, Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Seinert. Our producer is Cassie Niles. We thank you for listening. Enjoy the games this weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.